Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you doing today? That was actually a lot better than the 9 o'clock service today. I think we're a little bit sleepy, so welcome, welcome, welcome. If this is your first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, if you're joining us at our Seymour campus or here at Greenwood or online or one of our e-microsites for the very first time, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up to all of our first-time guests today? Someone has thought it worth your time to be here to tune in and and be blessed by what's going on in and through Emmanuel. And so thanks for uh, accepting their invitation. If you're not brand new, welcome back. We're actually wrapping up a three-week series right now called Family Circus. And the reason we called called it Family Circus is because if you're a note taker in your notes, we're going to jump right in. Family often can feel like a what? Like a circus. Yeah, if you've ever been to a circus when you were little, there's all kinds of crazy characters in a circus, right? There's people swallowing fire. There's people like having lions jump on top of balls. And there's people walking tight robes. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's just like your family, isn't it? <laughs> all kinds of crazy characters, all doing crazy stuff, right? And oftentimes your family can feel like you're watching A circus. I mean, you have that angry family member that always kind of loses their temper. Then you have that passive-aggressive family member. Then you have that overly political family member. You know what I'm talking about? I always talk about politics, right? Then, that, that, I mean, you just have that person that just over drinks or over smokes. And it's just, man, it's so hard to have a, quote, normal family. And what we said is that in this series that, that even though it's difficult to have a, a normal family or, or something that, you know, is somewhat healthy, God has not left us in the dark. He's given us his word. He's given us some principles and truths to kind of serve as a compass or an anchor to help us navigate the challenges of family. We said in this series that family can often feel like you're learning how to juggle. It's so hard. Like, I don't know how to juggle. I don't know how to deal with this family. Well, that's actually not true. If you would just learn the skills and kind of learn how to juggle and then put in the work, you can actually figure it out. Back when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I learned the skills of juggling and I figured it out. Some of you can do that. And, and you can actually treat your family the same way. And then once you get that under control, maybe you have three or four people in your family, then another person gets added to the mix. <laughs> and maybe you have a baby or maybe some in-law comes to live with you. And, and now it's like, man, now we've got to figure out the dynamics of a family of four. And that's not quite as easy, right? You have to practice a little bit more. Let's see if we can get this working. Okay, let's try that one more time. Okay, 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 okay. Let's not get carried away. And then, but see, that took me a long time, and that's not very good. Uh, but that's kind of how family is. Like, you, get, you make a little bit of progress. And then guess what happens? A fifth family member comes into the picture. And then you have to 
go to YouTube and figure out how to do five balls. Would you like to see me try five? Okay, you guys are smoking something. I can't do five balls. <laughs> Listen, I've got a life. I can't sit around and practice juggling all day long. You know what I mean? But here's what's true. If I did really want to figure out five balls, I could lock myself in a room and figure out how to juggle five balls. You can do the same thing with your family. If you would just take some of the truths that I've given you about parenting. Last week we talked about marriage. We talked about doing your part. We talked about communicating well. We talked about solving problems quickly. We talked about honoring one another. How many of you guys took some of those skills last week, those truths, and put them into practice or you tried to practice them this week? How many of you guys did that? All of our campuses. Okay, okay, a little bit more. How about just lie to me and just tell me that you did it? Just go ahead and lie. Yeah, okay, just uh, some of you have a hard time lying in church even. The idea is that you take some of these skills, some of these truths, and you begin to practice them. Today I want to talk about a third kind of dynamic of the family, and that is how to deal with what I call the others. The others. Who are the others? Did anybody waste like an entire year of their life watching Lost? Remember Lost? Anybody remember that show? Remember the others? It's like the natives that were there. We don't know if they were good or bad or evil or alive or dead. Like we just never really knew about who the others were. It's kind of like your family, your extended family. Okay, see, I thought that'd be funny. <laughs> Got to give that joke up. Anyway, who are the others? The others are mysterious. The others are your extended family. I mean, these are the folks that are not living in your house. They're your in-laws, your grandparents, grandma, grandpa, cousins, nephews, nieces, all these other aunts, uncles. The, the others are the extended family that don't live under your roof. And we have a problem with these people, don't we? Yes? Do you have a problem with these people? See, when it comes to the others, isn't it interesting how you feel like you're the only one who's normal <laughs> and they're all the weird ones? Anybody else feel that way? What's interesting is that they feel the same way about you. <laughs> it's interesting how that works. The others, the others. Why do we have such a problem with the others? Have you ever know, have you asked that question? Like, why is it always difficult? Why is it tense? Why do we not talk to some of them? Why is there so much tension, so much fighting with, with the others? I believe I have it figured out. Check this out. In your notes, I wrote it like this. We have expectations of the others. I call these the shoulds and the shouldn'ts. Grandma shouldn't act that way. Grandma should act this way. Grandpa shouldn't say stuff like that at the dinner table. Right? Cousin Johnny shouldn't act that way. Should, shouldn't, should, shouldn't. Do you have these? See, what we've done without even knowing it, we don't think about it this way, what we've really done is mentally written up a job description for all of the others, and we've handed them out. Here's yours, and here's yours, and here's yours, and here's how you should act, and here's how you shouldn't act. There's a whole list of things on, on that job description. And then the others, whoever they are, nieces, nephews, aunts, cousins, you know, step in brothers, stepsisters, stepparents, you know, grandparents, whoever they are, they just fail to meet the expectations of the job description. And now you're frustrated and you're angry. In fact, there's some of you here today, you're currently in a fight with one of the others. There's currently tension. You don't speak to one of the others. Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand, because I know you won't anyway. But there's tension because you have this, these expectations, these shoulds and shouldn'ts, and she shouldn't have and she did, and she should have and she didn't. 
And he shouldn't have, but he did. And he should have, and he, he should have showed up to that, you know, that dinner on time. He didn't. They shouldn't have overstayed their visit. They did, right? And you have these ideas. He shouldn't have shown up drunk, and he did. Shoulds and shouldn'ts. And so now we're frustrated, we're angry, we're upset, maybe even depressed. We have anxiety. We have stress over this issue. What do we do with the others? Say, Pastor Danny, if you could just teach the others to behave properly, all my problems would go away. (laughs) Would you want me to do that? That'd be fun, right? Okay, so if you are one of the others, which I know there are a lot of others here today. (laughs) Now, I can't do that. And here's why I can't do that. Because I can't get people to behave correctly. I can't control people, neither can you. So it'd be no good for me to say, hey, if you're an aunt, here's how you should behave. Hey, if you're a grandpa, here's how grandpa should behave, right? If you're a grandmother, here's how grandmothers should behave. Like, I can't do that. Even if I tried to do that, you wouldn't listen and you wouldn't do it. Because it's impossible to control the activities and behaviors of other people. However, you can control who? Yourself. So let's talk about that. What can you do to deal with the others in such a way that you don't lose your mind? Three ideas. Three ideas. I'm going to run through these really quick. Number one. You need to grow in grace. I need to grow in grace. You say, what is grace? Grace is a simple biblical idea. It's at the root of the gospel, and here's what it is. It is God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. That's what it is. God's undeserved favor. It means that God has given us a job description. You could call it the Ten Commandments, whatever you want to call it. You know, love your neighbors yourself. You know, God has given us clear instructions in the Bible, and you and I have blown it. Are you willing to admit that? Yes? Are you self-aware enough to know that you have blown it? You have failed to meet the expectations that God has of you as a human being. So now we're in a tough spot because we, we don't meet the expectations and God is still wants to deal with us. Well, how, how does he deal with a person who's failed to meet the expectations? Well, it's called grace. God shows you his favor even though you have failed to meet the expectations. Say, where does the Bible teach that? Good question. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you because of his, say it with me, grace. A little bit louder, his grace. God saved you by giving you his unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. And when did that happen? When you decided to believe. We are saved by grace through faith, another version says. When you trusted in Jesus, you received God's unmerited, unearned favor of God. His righteousness, you could put it like this, was transferred to your account when you reached out in faith and trusted Jesus. And then Paul says this, and you can't take credit for this because it is simply a, say it with me, a gift from God. See, that's grace. You don't earn grace. Grace is given. You receive grace. That's all you do with grace. That is Jesus. Jesus is your gift of grace. And then the Bible turns the corner and says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to show that same grace to the other people in your life, the others. I want you to give them unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, the same favor that I gave you. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. You must grow, you must expand, you must mature, that's what that word means, in this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You must grow in the capacity to show undeserved favor to other people. You say, well, I can't do that. See, he's just, she just, they shouldn't, they should have, I can't. It's impossible, they drive me crazy, right? 
They come over and they do their passive aggressive thing and they get critical and they come over and they just eat all the food and they overstay their visit and they do this and they do that and they lie and they deceive and they manipulate. I can't give them grace. Oh, really? But God gave it to you. Hmm. How do you do that? How do you give, give out the grace that God has given to you? Let me give you a little help here real quick. Number one, show empathy. We have to grow this thing called empathy in our life. What is empathy? Empathy is basically understanding, and it is a muscle, and it needs to be worked like a bicep so that it can grow. Empathy, it's understanding. See, people act the way they act for reasons. They have their reasons. They do what they do because of X, Y, and Z. You do what you do because you have your reasons. And here's what I've come to understand about people. Everybody is motivated by something. And it's my job to figure out why are they acting that way? Because there is a reason. Some of you know who John Maxwell is. He's a leadership guru. He's written dozens and dozens of book on, books on leadership. One of my favorite books is Winning with People. John Maxwell said this, read this years ago, helped me understand people. Hurting people hurt people. You say, this person's always coming into my life and they're hurting me and they're hurting me. It's because they're hurting. Something has gone wrong in their past, something they shouldn't have faced, they had to face, something happened, whether it's a major disappointment or some sort of abuse or something has taken place and they never dealt with it and because they never dealt with it, now they're hurting you. Empathy, that's what that is. Now, that doesn't fix all the problems and it's, I'm not saying we should excuse away people's bad behavior, but I'm telling you what, when you begin to empathize, when you begin to understand, you, you grow in your capacity to show what? To show grace. That's why grandpa acts that way. That's why the, my stepmom does what she does. She's so petty and so this and so that and so easily offended. That's why. What people do what they do for reasons. And when you understand those reasons, you, have, you grow in your capacity to show grace. Number two, accept reality. Accept reality. This could change your life right here, so please pay attention. What do I mean by accept reality? Take that job description that you wrote for her, for him, and rip it up. Rip it up. Because grandpa's 85, and he's not changing. Okay? So stop holding the others to this job description that you've passed out. In fact, if you continue to do that, you know who the only miserable person is going to be in the world? You, you, because you're the one that's going to be, he should have, he shouldn't have, he should have, he shouldn't have, she shouldn't have, and she should have. And I'm mad because she should have. She should have been more considerate. She should have been more kind or whatever. And she wasn't. How about this? How about you just accept reality? She is who she is. And Aunt Susie ain't changing. Saturday night, there was an Aunt Susie here, and I kept saying Aunt Susie, and then she came up to me after the service, and she's like, I'm Susie. I'm like, ah. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was an aunt too. <laughs> aunt Susie is not changing. Accept the reality. She is who she is. Can you guys say that with me, all of our campuses together? This would be fun. Ready? She is who she is. How about this one? It is what it is. Say this with me. It is what it is. She ain't changing. See, that'll set you free right there. Like when you have a family gathering and you know Aunt Susie's coming, everybody knows what's going to happen. So just deal with this. Like, hey, Susie's coming. Yep, I know, it's going to be a mess. 
See, that's just freeing right there. See, that's, that's, that's worth the price of admission today. Like, you know what I'm saying? This sets you guys free today. Now you can just prepare for it. Be like, it's going to be a terrible time. Yeah, Aunt Susie's coming. <laughs> She's going to nitpick and be critical and passive aggressive. And yeah, I know. She ain't changing. I believe this is what Paul was talking about in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Listen to this. Make allowance for each other's fault. Make room for Aunt Susie to do what Aunt Susie does. That's what that means. Make space. People have faults. Hey, listen, you have faults. Yes? Hello. You know how you grow in grace? Just, refl- just become self-aware. Like, you're, you're a bonehead too. Like, it's hard to be around you. Right? And they're thinking the same thing about you. Like, oh. Here comes Uncle Danny, you know. He's going to start to preach at me, you know. He's going to take the Bible out. You know, it's true. <laughs> Accept it. Accept it. <laughs> now, I know some of you are arguing with me in your head, like, okay, wait a second. Are you telling me I should be a doormat and just kind of let people walk all over me? And no, I'm not, because there's a limit. And there's a line, and I'm going to speak to that in just a second. Before I do that, let's talk about number two. Don't allow yourself to get triggered. How do we deal with the others? Now, I know when I say that word triggered, some of you get triggered. (laughs) It's such a popular word. I like to say it, triggered, triggered. I'm messing with you. Come on, I'm just having fun. (laughs) My team is going to get me for that one. Don't allow yourself to get angry is really what I'm saying. Don't take the bait. You know it's coming. You know Uncle Johnny's coming. You know that, that, that cousin Timmy is coming over. Like, and don't take the bait. I heard somebody explain it like this. Like when you have a family gathering with the others and they're coming over, pretend like they are coming over in cars and, and there's just a highway in front of you and you are a pedestrian and you are standing on the sidewalk and you are just watching the cars go by. And they're in their car and they're doing their thing and there's a bunch of drama and they're just whizzing by. Zoom, zoom. And they're waving at you and you're waving back at them. Hey. And here's what they're saying. Quick, get in the car. And you're like, no. I'm good right here. You guys, I've been in that car. I don't want to get back in. (laughs) You guys had a blast. Zoom, zoom. Don't take the bait. Did you know the Bible tells us not to get triggered? It really does. You say, where does it say that? Watch this. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. That's the Bible's way of saying don't get triggered. Why? Because anger resides in the lap. What is your lap? Well, you're sitting down right now. Look down. That's your lap. (laughs) Anger resides in the lap of a fool. Whoa. Why? Why is it foolish to get triggered? Because when you're triggered, you start saying stuff and doing stuff, and you know what you're doing? You throw logs on the fire, and you make it worse. And then let the circus begin. (laughs) Right? So you just sit over there and you just watch the cars go by. Zoom, zoom, oh, look at that one. There she goes, there's Aunt Susie, doing her thing. <laughs> and you're over here just chilling. You say, how can I do that? That doesn't seem possible to be able to do that. Well, here's the trick, here's the trick, ready? This is hard, I'm not saying I do this, I'm saying you should. <laughs> here's a quick tip, this really does help. You gotta remember that this isn't about you. This isn't about you. See, here's the the truth. Uncle Johnny, Aunt Susie, they do their thing. 
Like, they, they do their passive-aggressive thing with everybody. They do their super-critical thing with everybody. Like, they, they bring their issues to the family gathering, right? You just happen to be the one in front of them at that particular time. And so it starts hitting you, and then all of a sudden, you take it personally. It's not about you. They do it to everyone. They do it in the grocery store. They do it to their coworkers. They do it to their spouse, and their spouse is trying to get out. <laughs> You just happen to be the one right in front of them. So if you don't take it personally, this isn't about me. This is just what Aunt Susie does. Therefore, I'm not going to get what? I'm not going to get offended, triggered, nice. It's not about you. Now, let's talk super quick about this third option. I mentioned a minute ago, like, are you saying that I shouldn't, you know, I should let people walk all over me and be a doormat? No. I think we need to make allowance for each other's faults to a degree. But then there's behaviors that cross the line. And when the behaviors cross the line, they move into a different category of what we might call abuse. What do we do then with that others who are behaving that way? Number three, you have to have the boundary conversation. The boundary conversation. What is the boundary conversation? The boundary conversation is a conversation about what is okay and what's not okay. The boundary conversation is a conversation about control. Not about controlling them because as I mentioned earlier, you cannot control other people's behavior. Stop trying. If you really want to control people, start a cult. Okay? Did I just say that? <laughs> Don't start a cult. That's bad. <laughs> you cannot control other people's behavior, but you can control yourself. So this is a conversation about control. Uncle Johnny, Aunt Susie, Cousin Timmy, whoever it is, right? You are now, you have crossed the line. Your behavior has now crossed over into this space called abuse, be it verbal or physical or sexual, whatever it is, it's not okay. So if you continue to do X behavior, then here's what I'm gonna do, because I can't control you, but I'm gonna take this action called Y. I'm gonna leave. I'm never gonna allow you in my house anymore. I might kick you out of my house. I might not invite you to the family gatherings anymore. I might call 911. I might call a counselor. I don't know what the, de what the decision is, but you, you will take some sort of action to communicate to the other that what you're doing is not okay and I will not tolerate it anymore. Do you realize that you get what you tolerate? Do you realize that? That is the truth about my life and your life. You get what you tolerate. You say, does the Bible teach that? I'm not so sure, Pastor Danny. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 19. Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. Now, you can put any other abusive behavior in this spot right here. Any other behavior. Sexually abusive people must pay the penalty. Physically abusive people must pay the penalty. Verbally, mentally abusive people must pay the penalty, remember the why behavior. What am I gonna do if they continue to do X? Why? Because if you rescue them once, you're only gonna have to do it again. What does that mean? That means if you let it go, if you overlook it, oh, that's just Uncle Johnny, that's just Aunt Susie, they're a family, I can't really do anything about it. This family, if you rescue them, you are making a decision to allow them to do it again. In fact, you're teaching them that their behavior has no consequences and that it's okay to repeat the same behavior over and over and over. And for some of you right now, the light bulb just went on. It's like, oh, that's why this behavior continues to be a problem in my life because I have never had the boundary conversation. If you do X, I'm gonna do Y. Now, 
Let me be clear about this. This is not a conversation that is motivated by retaliation or revenge or anger or hatred. It's not. It's actually a conversation that's motivated by love. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 tells us, do everything in love, everything. Everything you do, let it be done in love. So you say, how could you have the boundary conversation in love? Well, think, think with me for a second about what love is. Love is not a strong feeling for somebody or, or romance or sexuality. I mean, those are, those are kind of forms of love, I guess. But at the root of biblical love, what we find is that it's a choice to do what is best for somebody else. That is biblical love. What is best for your family member that's abusing you? That they pay the price. Because when they pay the price, they learn not to do it again. Yes? It's what's best for you. It's what's best for them. Do you know sometimes it's best for people to go to jail? Because that's the only way they're going to learn to stop doing what they're doing. And sometimes that doesn't even work. So we don't, we don't have the boundary conversation because I'm fed up and I'm going to get back and I'm going to seek vengeance and I'm going to put him in his place, her in her place, and I'm going to teach them a lesson. No. We have the boundary conversation because this is the best thing for her. If you do X, then I'm going to do Y. And I'm doing this because I love you because you got to stop treating people that way. Making sense? Yes or no? This is hard, hard stuff, but you have to do it. You have to do it. What have I said today? I said family is difficult. The others are difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because we have these job descriptions. The shoulds and the shouldn'ts. And then they don't meet our expectations and we get upset, we get angry. And I wish we could control them and make them behave correctly, but we can't. But what we can do is control ourselves. We can learn to grow in grace. We can learn to step back and watch the circus go by and not get drawn in and not be triggered. And then we can also have the boundary conversation when necessary. So let me ask you a question today. Where do you need to start? Out of those three ideas, where do you need to start? Now, this isn't a comprehensive talk on how to, how to deal with the others. We've only got 30 minutes here. We can't talk about everything. But I gave you three solid ideas. I could have talked about how to de-escalate a conversation. I could have talked about reducing your exposure to the family members. We could have talked about a lot of stuff. But I gave you three solid ideas that you can take and you can begin to practice working on these ideas, learning grace, learning how to, to, to not be triggered and to step out of the situation and learning how to have the boundary conversation. The best thing you can do if you're part of Emmanuel Church, any one of our campuses, any one of our microsites, wherever you're watching online somewhere in the country, is circle one of those and this week, this week, begin to say, okay, I am going to grow in grace. I'm gonna learn how to show empathy. I'm gonna accept reality. I'm gonna stop holding grandpa to this job description. Grandma, whoever it is, the in-laws. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna accept reality. I'm gonna show grace. Wow, what a change. It'll set you free. I'm not gonna get involved. I'm not gonna take the bait. I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna, it's not about me. I'm gonna watch the cars go by. I'm gonna stay out of the circus. Wow, that'll change your life. Or maybe you have the boundary conversation. Can I say something very, very important and difficult to hear, but so necessary? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has not called you to bear the burden of abusive behavior. Let me say it a different way. It is not God's will for you to make allowance for someone's inappropriate, abusive behavior. That is not godly. It is not your burden. 
it is not God's will. And some of you needed to hear that today. And what that means is that there's a conversation that has to happen. And it, it cannot happen over text message or email. Do not have the boundary conversation that way. Remember, I said this about communication last week. Communication is mostly tone of voice and body language. And then there's also words. So the boundary conversation has to happen face-to-face -face with a third party, someone else there to help. You say, man, I don't have enough courage to have the boundary conversation. I'm too afraid. I'm, uh, he's going to react this way. She's going to react that way. I don't, it's going to blow up. Well, call, call me. Call your church. Get someone else involved. Get support. You don't have to do it by yourself if you feel like you can't have that conversation. And what I'm talking about specifically are those behaviors that are abusive. You are not called to bear the burden of abusive behavior. Make sense? So where do you need to start? Pick one and begin to work on it because family is so critical. Family should be a blessing to us and not a curse. Family is God's plan to bless not just you, but our community and the whole world. It was his idea. And he's given us these truths and insights to make it work well. Now, as we wrap up, I mentioned grace a few moments ago in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. Let me circle back to that real quick. This is what Paul said in Ephesians two, verse eight. God saved you by his grace when you did what when you believe now another version says we are saved by grace through faith and this is not of yourselves or you can't take credit for this it is a gift of God you know there are some people out there today that truly believe that if they're a good person when they die they will go to heaven that's a big idea out there today and if you're a bad person or if you're too bad then you just won't make it in fact, yesterday I was at a funeral, a friend of mine's father died, and I was able to listen in on some of the conversation and be part of that just for a brief moment. And after it was over, my friend who lost his father went out to the parking lot and he was crying, and so I followed him out there and said, hey, what's going on? He just looked at me, gave me a big hug, and he said, I just hope, I just hope, I just hope that my dad made it into heaven. Because he was a believer, but you know, there was tension in the family and, you know, it was just nobody's perfect, right? Are you perfect? Nobody's perfect. And I said to him very simply, I said, if going to heaven depends on people being good or behaving correctly, we're all in trouble. Hello. If going to heaven depends on us getting our stuff together and obeying all the rules and following the job description, none of us are gonna make it. Hence, the need for what? Grace, grace. How do you receive grace? You believe. We're saved by grace when you believe. We're not saved by grace because we got our stuff together. That would be earning grace, and you can't earn grace because it's a gift. You can't take credit for it. Some of you, for the first time, something just clicked in your mind. You're like, oh my gosh, I thought it was all about being a good person and coming to church and following the rules, maybe put some money in the, in the bucket or whatever, not that we pass buckets anymore. You got it all wrong. Heaven is for bad people that receive grace. It's not for good people that figured it out on earth. Make sense? Are you self-aware enough to know that you've not met the need, you've not met the job description and you need grace. If that's you today, Jesus looks at you and says, I've died for your sins. 
I came to this earth, I spread out my arms, I paid the penalty for your sin, I died in your place, I came back to life so that you could be forgiven. In fact, that's the whole reason why he came, because we could not do it by ourselves. We needed someone to pay the price for our sin and pay that debt, and Jesus did it for you. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior today, if you'd like to believe in Jesus today, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer a child can pray. It doesn't take tremendous faith, just faith as small as a mustard seed. And reach out to Christ today and ask him to be your Savior and receive his grace. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin for taking the penalty that I should have paid, for paying the price that I owed. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, cleanse my soul. I reach out in faith and I ask you to be my savior. Lavish your grace upon me, I receive it as a free gift. Your undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor in Jesus Christ. From this day forward, Jesus, help me to honor you and to learn to love you, to obey you, to follow you. Not because I have to, to earn your favor, but because I want to. Because you're worthy. Because you're beautiful and you're lovely and you're wonderful and you're good and you're deserving of my entire heart. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? If you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says that we are saved by grace. We have a box called our Saved Box. Inside this box, there's a Bible with a reading plan to get to started, information about small groups, baptism, and there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations for trusting in Christ. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, you can grab one of these at your, uh, at your campus at the information desk. If you're watching online, give us a little bit more information. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. Can we give God glory one more time, church? Amen. I'm gonna pray right now and then I'm gonna dismiss us to our local teams. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for grace, your unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. We receive it by faith. We receive it as we believe in you. We don't earn your favor. It is purely a gift. Help us to give that grace out to our family members, to show empathy, to accept reality to love them as you have loved us. Thank you for this series. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Right now, I'm gonna hand things off to the local teams. Your local teams have something special for you.